Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Jordana and DJ, have you switched churches in the last two years? A lot of people have for a long list of reasons. A lot of changes going on in the church community, especially the evangelical church community. And with us, joining us right now is Dan Cook, who produces Chad Hartman's show and is on the air and love the back and forth with Dan and Chad and Adam Carter. But in addition, Dan is a Bethel Seminary student and a pastoral intern, and um I, I get into conversations with Dan about religion from time to time, and I always learn something. Uh, Dan, welcome back to the show. Hi, Paul. How you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. Um, I know a lot of pastors who are not doing okay. They've lost, in some cases, half of their uh, parishioners for a long list of reasons, mm-hmm. because maybe the, the sermon touched on subjects that were touchy. What is going on? In the evangelical church right now, is it a schism or am I overstating that? I don't know that I'd say it's a schism because I think the bulk of the evangelical portion of Christianity is pretty much on the same page. The problem is that that page happens to be vastly different than some than the other page that some of us look at. Uh, and it's trying to see if there's any way to bridge that gap. I mean, unity and community are such huge parts of Christianity that when you have folks that have wildly different ideas of what Christianity is supposed to fo- focus on, uh, you end up with what almost becomes different ideas of religion altogether, and that's that's a very scary thing for people who care about the church and, and unity within the church. What what has set this off? I, I don't remember this being an issue five, ten, twenty years ago. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's something that's been simmering for a long time. You and I were talking. I just had finished a book for class called Jesus and John Wayne, and I highly recommend it for people that care about stuff like this. Because if you want to understand how the white evangelical church became such a political force, this sort of lays out the history of that. And there's definitely a slant in the, uh, in the writing of it without any question, but um, it, it gives you a pretty good idea of what's going on. So this has been simmering for, for a long, long time. And now when you have groups stepping forward and trying to really focus on racial justice and try to focus on issues uh, when we have all the upheaval that we've had over the last few years – it's, it's now manifesting itself as a power play in the church where the folks who've had control and don't want to think about that sort of thing and don't want to talk about sort of that sort of thing are feeling their control being threatened, and hence you have all of this, uh, this chaos and, and uh, arguing going on. Well, Dan, you and I are both Christians. Mm. Uh, we are admonished to spread the good news, right, when and where we can. Yes. But, I mean, 
where did things go off the rails? Is that, you know, Christianity as a political party? Uh, what exactly caused this uh, convulsion yeah, that you we're know, seeing? I, I said this the other day uh, on Chad's show that uh, the power of Christianity is in the cross, not in the sword. Um, it's in the self-sacrificial orientation towards others and the concern towards others. That's the power of Christianity, which goes against the power of the world, which has always been the sword. It's been the militaries that try to bludgeon other people into submission. It's that whole idea of coming mm-hmm. over in a controlling fashion. And, and what you see is a certain portion of the Christian world, especially in this country, has tried to pick up the sword, has tried to pick up political power, has tried to assert itself over and above everybody else. Uh, and that, that never works out well. That never, ever throughout history worked out. Go all the way back to the 3rd century and Constantine and uh, Christianity becoming the official religion of Rome. As much as that stopped persecution and was a good thing, uh, it, it, there was a whole lot of bad stuff that came out of that when Christians got power and decided, okay, now that we were persecuted for all this time, now we're going to do the persecuting because that's fair. And that's not, that's not the spirit of Jesus at all. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dan, it's Jordana. I, I love this conversation and just absorbing all of it. And I'm, I'm learning a lot. Uh, about this this rift right now. Mm-hmm. So how do you or do you preach to this? Is it do you guys incorporate this in your sermons? And if not, how would you so our listeners can help reconcile that? It's complicated. There are ways you can preach. I, I guess I would say preach leaning into it, you know, and not being afraid to say this is what's going on in certain circumstances and and. If we go back to you know Jesus magnum opus, right, the Sermon on the Mount, and you start looking through the blessings that Jesus offers, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, and how we are to as Christians to be following Jesus, here's his sort of core message. And when you start comparing that to some of the things that are being done in the name of the Christian church today, it doesn't line up. It just doesn't. And so, yeah, you can preach into that, especially if you're doing a series on Sermon on the Mount or if you're doing a series on that. So you try when you're preaching to talk about current issues and things that are affecting people's lives right here and now. Um, and that's going to be part of it on some level. It depends on the text that you're working with and it depends on what you know, direction your church is trying to go. Uh, but yeah, you, yeah, you have to kind of be real about it. If, you're not, if we're not being real, look, God knows what's in all of our minds and all of our hearts. If we're trying to project an image other than that in a church situation, what, what are we even doing at that point? Dan, and this may be above your pay grade. I don't know. I sure. mean, you, you know a lot about a There's lot. a lot above my pay grade, Paul. So you, <laughs> you can we know no, what you get paid. It's yeah, not a lot at WCCO version. Radio. <laughs> it's even less than my church situation right now. So by all means, go ahead. You can say no comment. Yeah. I'm not a historian, but based on your read of history, did the Founding Fathers envision or favor a Christian America? I thought they were pretty serious about freedom of religion, pluralism. Yeah. Uh, welcoming everybody, and you worship your your faith. The, you serve God or not serve God right. uh, the way you want to. Uh, what's because I hear that every now and then as an excuse for what I would call the weaponization yep. of Christianity. Yep. Uh, yeah, and the answer to that question is no, but it's a nuanced no, um, because most of the founding fathers were of some form of Christianity in, in some way, shape, or form. Right. But most of them were of the Enlightenment era, so they were more of what we call a deist form of Christianity. They believed in a creator God. They believed that that creator God imbued his people with, the, with abilities and that it was to see those 
people uh, flourish within those abilities on their own, that the God sort of was removed from what was going on, that he was there, but he wasn't necessarily directly involved, and they were super into human ingenuity and human improving of human life. Um, what we know of Christianity today, especially in this evangelical world that you and I were talking about, that bears no resemblance to the faith of the Founding Fathers. So when people try to use, you know, hey, we're supposed to be a Christian country, and they're thinking about Christianity as we know it today, that's absolutely not what was going on back in the time of the Founding Fathers. And you see, you know, if you look through the histories, look, John Adams wrote in a, in a peace deal with Tripoli, right? Talk, specifically, the United States was not, you know, created as a Christian country, period, end of paragraph. That's what he said. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, went through the Christian New Testament, and cut out with a razor blade anything that appeared miraculous or supernatural and reduced mm. Jesus essentially to a really wise individual. That was his view of it. Ben Franklin looked at churches as civic institutions, as places for, pe- for people of influence to gather and commune with one another. Uh, so when you start breaking down what their individual faiths look like, it doesn't bear a real strict resemblance to the kind of you know, evangelical faith we see today. So when you're saying Christian country, what does that actually mean is, becomes the thing. And if you mean Christianity as we know it today, and that's what's supposed to be the foundation of this country, then the answer has to be no. But we've always had a strong and also, Judeo-Christian yes. Ethic, yeah. right? There's no question about that, but it's not. The, like you said, it was, the founding fathers were very careful to say that any religion could be practiced here. They didn't want the government coming and telling you what religion that you have to practice. So, if the if the state then sponsors one particular form of religion, they are tacitly informing their citizenry which form of religion they're supposed to to follow. So, right. Okay. Wow. And also, maybe we shouldn't look to the Founding Fathers for morality issues. You know, they did a great job with the founding documents, but they were also all slave owners. And I understand that that was the time of the day. But I think that morality, we shouldn't look to our politicians uh, for morality. That's why some people have religion, and they should be separate. They knew enough to separate the church and state. Yes. And um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry and I'm saddened to hear about these rifts going on. And, and, and David, I know we have to go, but... But, uh, but um, Dan... Yeah, he's Dave, I'm You know, Dan. The, the, yeah. the churches... Yeah, I know, right? Okay, yeah. the, the churches, they've always had their problems. They've always, we- always weathered this. Are you confident that they will come out stronger, or will the churches look different after this oh, rift? that's such a good question. Um, here's what I would say. God is constantly doing something new. Constantly doing something new. <laughs> what is that going to look like five years from now, mm-hmm. ten years from now? I don't know. But I have ultimate faith that God will bring through people who follow him and, and worship and praise him in some way, shape, or form as a community together. It may look like completely different things than what we have now. Uh, and mm-hmm. in, in, while that can be kind of frightening and anxiety-inducing, uh, it should also be exciting because we get to join in the work of shaping what that is. And, and yeah. that's how God works, right, mm-hmm. is through and with human beings. So we get to partner mm-hmm. with that and we get to do this new thing and we get to make something that's been good uh, with flaws and try to make it better. And, and that's, that's a, nothing but a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Well said, my friend. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. So good, Dan. So good. God likes mm-hmm. to shuffle the deck, and uh, something new and, and better is, is coming. But uh, Dan Cook, producer Thanks, extraordinaire and Bethel Seminary student, thank you so much. And when you put some of these uh, thoughts online, would you let us know so we can listen to you online? Absolutely. we Will do.
No, right. his podcast. So it's his podcast, which yeah. hasn't been updated uh, in a long Dan, time. So we pod- don't need to. Prom- we don't mean to. Promote uh, that. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just keep all us right, posted. All right. We'll do it. <laughs> all, right. all right, Dan, you're the best. Thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.